0: Welcome to Fate's Wide Wheel, a Quantum Leap podcast with Sam and Dennis. We are coming to you from our top secret headquarters at Project Quantum Leap, but you can find us online at fwwquantumleappod.com or follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Fate's Wide Wheel. And please do us a favor by hitting the subscribe button on iTunes.
1: Hello, everybody.
0: Hello. It's been a while.
1: It has been a while. Welcome back, Sam. How are you doing?
0: I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Uh, this past week has been one of recovery. Um, last weekend was uh, kind of crazy, but uh, it, it went really, really well. Um, completely different world, you know, from from this podcast, obviously. But uh, it was it was a fun time.
1: Sure. So tell us a little bit about because I've been following it on Twitter and and, and Facebook and whatnot.
0: But yeah. So, um, basically, about a year ago, um, a question was asked to a rather famous wrestling journalist, if you will, uh, his name's Dave Meltzer, if uh, Ring of Honor, which is sort of the number two promotion in in the country when it comes to wrestling behind WWE, could sell out a 10,000-seat arena. And uh, Meltzer responded that he wouldn't bet on it. And then Cody Rhodes, who's a wrestler who was working for Ring of Honor and doing independent wrestling as well as working in Japan, responded with, I'll take that bet. So he and the Young Bucks, Matt and Nick Jackson, um, got together and decided to put on their own event. And they had it here in Chicago, uh, well, Hoffman Estates, at the Sears Center, and they sold 11,263 tickets. Um, the building was at capacity. They couldn't, they literally were not allowed to have one more body in the building. Wow. Um, so it, it, ended up being a really big deal, and in addition to the actual wrestling show, which was last Saturday on September 1st, um, a well-known podcaster by the name of Conrad Thompson put together an event surrounding it called StarCast, And, uh, the event, they invited podcasts to come and join them on Podcast Row, which was sort of set up like Media Row at the Super Bowl or something like that, um, and we were one of the podcasts that went. And, uh, yeah, we were there, we caught a lot of interviews, we met a lot of really cool people, we got to go to the show, uh, which was awesome, because it was sold out, we had great seats, and it was just a very, very busy weekend, um, you know, I, I kind of deluded myself into thinking, oh, this will be kind of nice, I'll get some sleep this weekend, uh, because <laughs> the baby hadn't really been happening much, at least not unbroken, and I, I don't think I slept more than six hours, the, you know, uh, a night, rather, not the whole time, but a night, while I was there, just because, um, you know, an example of our day, Friday, I was up at, at about 7.30, and I was down on podcast row by about quarter to nine. We set up. We started working at 10. Um, I don't think we got back to the hotel room until midnight, and then after that, we needed, you know, an hour or so to wind down, and, and you know, before you know it, it's like one 2 o'clock in the morning, and you realize you're going to get up and do it all over again the next day, so... That was, that was kind of the experience, but it was great. I mean, we, we really we got to do some cool things. One of the coolest things was um, Podcast Movement and Westwood One sponsored a pop-up studio there, um, so we got to record uh, on the pop-up studio, which was a lot of fun, and we had some special guests on that. Um, really just tried to kind of pack it up and um, it, it was cool. We, we spoke with some really cool people we spoke with some fans and um, including a 10 year old fan by the name of AJ Awesome and uh, AJ came by, we talked to him a little bit and it was a lot of fun. His mom was really appreciative of that and he's kind of blown up. He, in fact, they, the wrestlers gave him media credentials so he was backstage at the show and like had his own box and you know it was it was really cool. He's got a YouTube page that's kind of blown up a bit and um, yeah, so uh, it was it was a lot of fun hanging out with him and, and just the whole thing was was a really cool experience. That's
1: awesome. So speaking to really cool people, you also spoke with Leva Bates. Yes, there, uh, blue yep. pants. She did message me back the other day. She is, uh, she is game to be on Heart of a Champion. That's awesome. Coming up at the end of the season. She is just, she doesn't check her Facebook very much. So she sure. gave me, <laughs> so she gave me her number to reach out to her. So I haven't done that yet. But
0: yeah, looking forward well, to it, that. It's funny because yeah, I saw her uh, like on. Three different separate occasions. Three different separate, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, three separate occasions, and uh, it was great because the first time I saw her was just sort of like small talk, like "Hey, oh yeah, you're you and you're you. That's great. It's good to see you." And then the second time we were talking was at the after party, and it was probably about three o'clock in the morning uh, on Saturday night. And we both had a few drinks, and, but it was it was a lot of fun. And she was going on about K-pop, uh, which is great. I guess she has an obsession with uh, with K-pop, so she was showing lots of pictures of. Korean pop stars and uh, playing some music videos for us and stuff, which was which was hilarious. So uh, we had a good time, and then I saw her on Sunday before before I left. Awesome, yeah. very cool. Uh, meanwhile, over on my end, I do,
1: dove in, divin, divin, dove in. Dove in, dove in, dove in. <laughs> I dove in uh, to my podcast. Uh, yeah, in the future. So uh, was it last week posted or the yeah uh, the start of this last week posted the first four episodes, you being one
0: of them absolutely i well, you know it was it was really kind of um uh cool for me because i ended up uh i i i think it was right after i got back i don't think I, maybe i did it at the convention now i can't remember when i did it but i shared it on facebook obviously mm-hmm. um and it was it was a really cool moment because i just thought to myself man we started this thing a year ago and and now here we are we both have other podcasts as well going on and, yeah you know we took a little bit of a break because there was just so much going on but uh uh, I don't mind saying the past week or so, man, I, I've, I've missed you. I've missed, I've missed you. Was, yeah. I was ready to get back, you know, I was ready to get back into it and start talking about quantum leap again. So yeah, let's dive uh, back in. So we've yeah. been teasing, uh, uh,
1: on, on social media and in the, the previous couple episodes, like the intro that I put on the, 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 uh, the reshares of the previous episodes that we were done. We're going to tinker with a different format Yeah, uh, this time. And so the idea behind this is, uh, To kind of streamline our conversations a little bit, to kind of take out the need to do the play-by-play synopsis of every scene. Because uh, I feel like you and me both, we feel like sometimes we get lost in the weeds and we get scenes out of order and we just get frustrated with ourselves Uh, with that. I think our worst one was uh, So Help Me God. (laughs) <laughs> that, that, that Chris guessed on I don't know if I ever told you Before I posted that episode I went back and edited it Yeah, <laughs> To take that out That took like 10 minutes out of the episode Of yeah. just like taking out the stumbling and everything So, uh, so yeah, we're going to try some different segments uh, So let us know Let us know what you think A lot of it we're going to be covering the same stuff that we usually do It's just going to be a little bit more Focused more
0: yeah, I, and one of the things that I would hate to do because I know a couple of people even on Facebook were just sort of like, "Oh no, you're changing things," and and you know my reassurance to to everyone would be that we're not really changing what we have to say. Um, we're just going to tweak how we say it um, as far as the format goes, and uh, I think that as the, the content and the spirit of the show is certainly going to remain the same. It's just an effort to. Um, Yeah, maybe maybe like you said, streamline things and and give give ourselves a nice format to play in as opposed to sometimes just firing up the microphones and seeing what happens. (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah. So let's so let's dive on in here.
1: So this week we're talking about piano man.
0: That is right, yeah, Piano Man, and Piano Man uh, is, uh, let's see here, I'm already screwing things up, um, Piano Man uh, is written by Ed Sharlock, it's actually the only episode um, that he wrote of Quantum Leap, it's directed by James Whitmore Jr., who of course we know uh, as, as not only having directed multiple episodes, but been in uh, an episode, and will be in a couple more uh, coming up. Um, we are airing on March 27th, 1991, and the leap date is November the 10th, 1985.
1: Excellent. So, some other things we're going to talk about throwing in here is uh, like the ratings for the show. Yeah. Um, so, this one got 12.1 million viewers. And I tried to look up to see like what's that analogous to these days because viewership of any show is like a lot lower. Now, just because everybody's attention is so divided between everything, you just don't have the major networks anymore. Okay. But I couldn't really find anything online that
0: was a really good explanation of what would that equal nowadays. You know, ratings have always been interesting to me and something that I've, to be completely honest, never grasped, you know, 100%. But can't you sort of figure it out based on the share? Like if it gets, like the, the share number would not change so much because the share is based on the total number of viewers as opposed to the number of viewers that the episode got. Sure. So in other words, whatever the share of this particular episode would be, you could compare that to the share of an episode today with like the same share and it would still and it would match up regardless of the fact that, you know, like an episode today might only have a million viewers compared to the, you know, twelve million that mm-hmm. this episode had. For sure. Yeah.
1: We'll look at it we'll more into that for next week. Yeah. We'll yeah. It. We we're out. learning, we're growing, we're evolving. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but anyway, so let's jump into the uh, TV guy description. Do it. Sam, Scott Bakula, leaps into a piano lounge player who finds himself suddenly on the run with his former music partner, Marietta Di Prima. I sure. We'll Got that. Great. From a mob killer who wants the lounge lizard made extinct. TV guide, you and your you and your punts, right? And so, yeah, Sam is Chuck Tanner, right? Lou- or, or, or as we're going to find out later on in the episode, Joey DiNardo, Lounge Lizard Extraordinaire. So, uh, new segment that we're throwing here before we even like really dive into the episode, uh, Sam. What are you? What were your recollections of this episode before you even rewatched it?
0: Um, it's funny, uh, I, I didn't remember a lot specifically, uh, I had sort of, a, you know, an ambiguous kind of idea of, of, the episode. I certainly, I remembered the, the opening scenes pretty well, um, right up until the car explosion, and then a lot of it after that just kind of, you know, was, was a little muddy, not, not quite, uh, uh crystal clear, if you will, so, um, And of course, the other thing that stood out was the song. I mean, Somewhere in the Night, I listened to more times than I care to admit when I was in junior high and high school, Um, you know, wore that that CD out just about. But um, those are the things that definitely stood out to me before the rewatch.
1: Yeah. Uh, Same here. I mean, like, tidbits about the episode, like, Mob Guy on the Run changed his name, Left his fiance, you know, the, the general story. But, yeah, it's the song for me that sticks out. I was the same as you. Like, I, I listened to that song over and over again. Of course, it was on the soundtrack, and it was even released as its own single CD, if you yeah, remember that. That's yeah, that's right. Uh, and on the B side of that one was, like, an extended version of the theme song. Okay. Uh And, yeah, of course, the thing— yeah, listen to it a lot. I remember um, cruising around with my friend, John. <laughs> we would listen to the song over and over again. And then there was one night even, uh, we had this girl in the car. Her name was Myra Bex, <laughs> And... She had recently discovered that that I could sing from a from a talent show that I did like locally, and so we're riding around. And like this was a weird phase where John wanted to date Myra, but he was too shy to ask her out. He felt like she was was out of his, her his league. Blah blah blah. And so we're driving around one night. It's it's John and I in the front seat, Myra sitting in the back seat. We we turn the song on, and what ended up happening is we both ended up serenading Myra backs. Oh boy, with somewhere in... Oh boy, indeed, yes, (laughs) with somewhere in the night. Ah, and I just... I just want to know, like, what the hell was going on in her mind at that point?
0: (laughs) Sure, sure. Oh man, yeah, yeah. You and I have a lot in common. Um. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) yeah. That was so.
1: It it is worth noting. uh, Scott Bakula did co-write the song. mm Hmm. Uh, and uh, actually, according to uh, to Matt Dale's book, the trivia of Matt Dale's book, uh, after the episode was released and before it was re-recorded for the soundtrack, there were actually a number of artists who reached out to the show like they were wanting to record their own oh, version, like by the rights to the song. Sure. But, but what I find interesting about that is that, uh, I don't know if you've seen this, but when they released the soundtrack, mm-hmm. they did a very small, like one-time Concert where Scott Bakula sang some of the songs. Oh, okay. From the soundtrack, um, and I have it like on, on a VHS tape. It was like a, a bootleg thing, like someone like sitting in the front row of this like very small private event. And as he was introducing the song, basically he said like, in his mind as he wrote it, he was intentionally trying to write a bad song.
0: <laughs> like
1: it was his idea of like a lounge lizard's idea of a good song. What would that sound like? And this was it. So really he kind of failed.
0: <laughs> sure. <laughs> <laughs> because no, I mean uh, legitimately, I think I think it's a really good song. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't think it's a bad song. I don't think it is the, you know, the even the the lyrics, the thing is is he avoids I think some of the cliche uh while still hitting those sort of notes mm-hmm. that 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 you would get like even the whole um you know the blue rolled into gray like yeah. that line like that line is evocative of like blue skies turning to gray skies or whatever which would be such the cliche line but instead he goes with something a little bit more poetic and a little bit more you know nebulous and it works really well so i think that it's interesting that he that he had that thought because for me i think that it's actually a really good song
1: i have to go back and give it a re-listen and we'll see (laughs) i don't know it's like yeah that that kind of tainted my view was like "Uh, is it a good song i don't know yeah i don't know tell us viewers what you think
0: yeah absolutely yeah i
1: I kept teasing you i wanted you to do your own uh acoustic version of it go to open mic night present that
0: I, right. I, maybe I will, maybe I will. Yeah, that's something else that it's funny. The last time I think the last time we saw one another was that open mic night. I started doing um, the the bar down the street now has uh, an open mic every Tuesday, so mm. uh, they've been having it for three weeks. I've gone I've gone all three weeks so far. So, oh, very cool. Good times. Good times. Um, yeah, it, it, that that is interesting to me because, like I said, I, mean, I used to listen to it a lot, and I, it bears mentioning that the version that is on the soundtrack, uh, it's not very different, but it's different enough that listening to it within this episode compared to listening to it on the soundtrack is different. I, I, I think almost on the soundtrack, it's actually in a different key. I think it's in a lower key, whereas I think that this is uh, higher. Sure, um, yeah. because yeah, because Scott's voice in particular—I mean, he's got a nice range and he is a tenor. But the thing is, is that it's very high uh, in the episode and and on the soundtrack, it's not. He doesn't sing it that high. Sure, so I think it's actually in a different key on the soundtrack.
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, especially like the the first time he plays it in the in the lounge, it's it's like you know he's he's sight reading and right. just like you know like getting yeah. a hang of the song as he goes. Uh, but, yeah, I think, yeah, for both of us, like, uh, yeah, this most of this episode hangs on on the song. Right, right. <laughs> on the song, yeah. So let's dive in uh, also a new segment. So uh, talk about, like, where has Sam been before? Chronologically, he was just in uh, 1979 as Rod yeah. the Bod in Private Dancer. Uh, but as far as Sam leaping through time, like, chronologically through the years— uh he was just in May of the same year, nineteen eighty five, in Moments to Live. Yeah. Which we'll get to in season four.
0: Right. Um yeah, it's interesting because we've gotten a you know, a couple of episodes now here, um that are closer to uh what would have been the present, you know, when the episode was, was shot. Um you know, moving forward seventy nine, eighty five. Um this is the second latest episode that we'll have. There's only one episode. Uh, I think it's revenge of the evil leaper, mm-hmm. um, where we go past 1985. Um, so that, I mean, that's interesting to note. Um, of course the theory is, is that Sam was actually in 1995, um, uh, when he started leaping. Um, so at this point it's probably like 98, um, cause he's been leaping for, you know, two, three years. Um, also geographically he was in New York now he's in New Mexico um, so it, yeah it's interesting to kind of plot that out you know his, his, his course through through time and I think that you know it's interesting it's one of the things I know that Beckett to the future has done is, is doing the episodes chronologically based on the date the leap date mm-hmm. um, it, I, I can't I just can't honestly I could never wrap my head around watching the show that way because it's just not that's not his journey, you know what I mean? Sure. Yeah. Um, it's it's much more interesting to me personally to think about what his his own journey is. So so yeah, it's 1979 to 1985. Yeah. You know.
1: And so yeah. So the there's only one other TV episode, not counting the leap back, which part mm-hmm. of that episode takes place in the future, obviously, uh, and not including like the season five episodes where we jump a lot to the future with Al and what he's doing with the person in the waiting room but there are a couple of novels and yes. uh, there are a couple of novels and the fan film a leap to die for right. all of those obviously they take place after this
0: yeah one of the first novels actually too close uh, for comfort which was the first one that mm-hmm. i read uh takes place in like 1997 i think so um or something like that um yeah i think it was 91 or 90 or somewhere i'm not sure no, because it takes place, I'm pretty sure it takes place while Sam is is, is already having started leaping. Uh,
1: no, because Too Close for Comfort, uh, like, what the, the, the plot of that episode hangs on is that Sam encounters, I think, a version of Al, like, right before Quantum Leap starts. Okay. And there's the concern over, is Sam going to inadvertently do something that affects Al's uh, being involved with Quantum Leap.
0: the Yeah, yeah you're I, right, because it yeah. takes place in 1990. 1990,
1: yeah. yeah. Mirror's Edge, the last of the novels, that takes place in 1999.
0: Right. I think you may be thinking of that one. That could be, yeah. But yeah, no, no, yeah, I mean, Too Close for Comfort because Too Close for Comfort actually brings back singin' for a moment, I think, doesn't it? Oh, Maybe yes, Lisa. that's right, yeah. yeah. Alright, now my brain's working again. No, no, um, it's all good, it's all good. So, yeah, uh, and and next up, uh, The Leap In. Um, so, so, yeah. So, Sam it has, has leapt in uh, behind the piano, he's just finishing up a song. Um, you know, the smoky lounge mm-hmm. filled with the drinkers enjoying the drinkers and the dreamers mm, they keep enjoying. cutting back to that
1: one to the one old guy smoking the cigar
0: yeah
1: I think it's the same shot over and over again they just keep cutting back to that when they need to to cut away from the shot for Sam for some reason for editing purposes <laughs> right. uh, so yeah I put that yeah so he's you know he's the thing he's got to fumble with, like trying to figure out how to turn off the what would you call it like the automatic whatever yeah the like player the tempo, or, the tempo or, yeah. yeah thing machine uh, such an 80s thing I know right. And then the woman coming over and being all smoky sexy. Janelle. Janelle, yeah, yeah. place somewhere for me. Yeah. This is one of the more um tamer ins that we've had lately.
0: Yeah, yeah, without a doubt. Um, a little bit
1: embarrassing, but the pr- pretty low stakes.
0: You know, the episode as a as a whole feels and this is not I'm not saying it's it's bad by any stretch and you know, we'll get into that more later, but it 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 feels a little bit th- Thin, and I think that the that the leap kind of sets that tone in a way because the leap doesn't have the high stakes that we uh have gotten from other leaps recently I would agree with that or or craziness that something like you know private dancer has where he leaps in as as a, a chippendale dancer <laughs>
1: I mean yeah that definitely has a, a a crazy factor that this one that this one doesn't yeah. yeah yeah uh so we get that we get the oh boy and from there do we want to jump into uh to the to the IMDb bits
0: our cast yeah our cast. so let's actually I think a great segue here is Janelle um, was played by Denise Gentile and she um, is, is not in the episode really beyond these first few scenes for obvious reasons uh, but... <laughs> oh I have some thoughts about that I have thought. But, yeah, but uh, it's worth noting uh, for, for me, because we've talked before uh, specifically about it, that she was indeed an alum of Babylon 5. Um, she played Lise Hampton on the show, which uh, that character ends up actually becoming uh, the wife of uh, Garibaldi, Jerry uh, Doyle's character, um, and uh, uh, is, is quite important. Um, to the season 4 arc of the show so she's got uh, a lot more to do on Babylon 5 than she did in in Quantum Quantum Leap Um, she's also had guest spots uh, on things such as ER, Walker Texas Ranger uh, Mike Hammer, Suddenly Susan Murder She Wrote uh, etc oh oh, this is interesting the new WKRP in Cincinnati oh I
1: I briefly remember that
0: yes (laughs) Um, It's interesting she played Courtney Ewing on Dallas, um, for whatever that's worth. And she also had a run uh, on Santa Barbara in 1989, which looks like that would have been her first um, um, big TV uh, deal. And uh, she was also on a little show called My Two Dads, which my sister and I liked that show far too Uh, much. Yes. Yes. There you go. Yes. Um, yeah. And then, uh, of course, Lorraine, who is, you know, really our big guest star, uh, is played by Marietta De Prima. And uh, as we were talking about before, she's actually a Chicago native, mm-hmm. uh, attended Northwestern. Um, has a, her career in film and television has been very sporadic. Um There's stuff, you know, in in, in like the mid-80s, then, you know, there's stuff in like the early 90s, and and then there's nothing for a little while, and then there's stuff in the 2000s, and now there's something as recent as Lady Bird, for instance, uh, uh, which she played Miss Patty in. Um, She also did guest spots on Boston Legal, um, Party of Five, Lois and Clark, Matlock, um, family Ties, Tour of Duty. Uh, it looks like the most notable things is that she played Annie on the television show Dear John, and then, of course, she played Sally Rogers in The Hughleys uh, mm-hmm. for 89 episodes.
1: Oh, wow. And I'm going to jump in here. Uh, the Hughleys also had an actor of Incredible Hulk fame. Are you catching <laughs> this one? <laughs> oh, Eric yes. Allen Kramer. Yes, who played indeed. Thor in and right. the 1988 TV movie The Incredible Hulk Returns?
0: Yes, I had that on VHS, taped from the uh, TV. Then I had an actual VHS copy that I bought like at a Walmart or something. And now, currently, I have it on DVD. I, think, I bought I bought that thing twice. I think I have a
1: DVD <laughs> at some point. I'm not sure. Oh, I think I have the first season of the Incredible Hulk, and I think it's a, it may be a special feature. Yeah. On uh, yeah. But that's, that's a special movie.
0: Right. right. Go check that out, Uh, kids. Then we've also got playing Carl, uh, Morgan, we've got Angelo Tifa, uh, and he has not done anything, uh, as far as acting goes, uh, well, no, I guess that's not true. He, um, was on Days of Our Lives just last year, Mm -hmm. um, so I thought it had been a little bit longer than that, but, um, guest appearances on NCIS, Scandal, um, the Defenders, Grey's Anatomy, uh, I mean, just lots and lots of television. He had a run on Young and the Restless in the early 2000s, um, guest stuff on ER, Boston Public, Charmed, Party Five, I mean, it kind of just goes on and on and on. Um, nothing that I really recognized him from, although he looks very recognizable. To me, he kind of looks like a poor man's Tom Arnold. Okay. And okay, that's sad because
1: guess. because Tom Arnold is a poor man's Tom Arnold. Well, yeah.
0: <laughs> man, remember when he had like that? Where he had that like moment of cool? Like there was that moment in time. Mm-hmm. Where I think it was like right after True Lies, maybe where like he was kind of cool and people like liked him. And then it just it just I don't know, just faded away. Yeah, it was
1: poor Tom. That was like yeah. like during the phase where he was in True Lies. He was like the sidekick. He was like Arnold Schwarzenegger's right. like right hand man. Yeah, in that movie
0: yeah indeed uh, we should probably also mention as we normally do that the mirror image was played by Sam Clay um, he has like six five credits five credits uh, he uh, was unmarried with Children prior to this Future Shock after and then uh, had a guest spot on 7th Heaven and Beverly Hills 90210 um, and that was in 1998 so that's where his IMDB page ends right there uh, yeah yeah yeah,
1: all right, so let's, uh, where are we going at from here? So we've So we've jumped in, and we've done the Dramatis Personae, blah, blah, blah. How do, you, how do you say that? Dramatis Personae? Personae, yeah. Dramatis Personae, yeah. I took that yeah. from, like, uh, on any old play, like, especially, like, Shakespeare. Like, that's where they list off the... Right. Yeah, yeah. So uh, from here, like, instead of, like, talking about, like, just doing, like, a play-by-play through the episode, we're just talking about, like, doing, like, some of the best moments in the episode... Like broken down by characters, so we have best Sam moments, best Al moments, and best uh, guest star moments.
0: Yeah, Your choice. Where do you want to start with this? Well, you know, I, I actually want to start with the car explosion um, because uh, while I don't necessarily, I'm breaking the rules right away. I don't know that well, I would like, say the
1: like best. We do. Yeah,
0: <laughs> I, I'm not going to say it's, it's the best scene for all three of them, but I think it, it, it takes what has been a fairly you know, tame beginning and opening, you know, he's playing music, he gets the request to play the song, plays the song, you know, well, they have the conversation, and and then the car explodes after the bartender takes the keys to take Janelle home, and there's this moment where there seems to be very real danger presented to Sam because the killer, the hitman, is, is firing off shots at him and actually hits Sam, shoots him in the leg, and that's not something that we see very often and if we do it usually doesn't come in the first like five minutes
1: I I had that same thought watching it
0: last night so it really kind of bumps up the stakes and and, and it tells you a lot about Lorraine in a very short amount of time and Al obviously is very concerned for Sam um so the scene definitely sticks out and I think there's a reason why I remembered it uh even before I did the rewatch
1: I gotcha yeah I mean you say like the the first scene um when when Lorraine makes her way in. Like, I feel like the, there's just a, a lot of great storytelling and a lot of great moments just in that first scene of, like, introducing Lorraine and introducing this history that, that Sam and Al are both, like, trying to figure out so that Sam can, you know, play along and fake it the best he can, you know, through and, like, finding out, like, why, you know, why uh, Joey, if we're going to find out later on his real name is, like, why joey left and and why he went into hiding and how you know he really could have had like a recording career and how like lorraine throws out the idea that playing in a piano lounge is something that joey said that he would never do it's the last yeah. the last place he would want to be seen and so that's where he's at so there's a lot of great there's a lot of great moments in that first scene
0: yeah, it, uh, you know, we talk often about the economy of storytelling, and when you have a, a 45 minute show, and in particular with an episode like this that does pack a lot of sort of action and suspense into it, um, I think that they they do a nice job of setting the table early, mm-hmm. and 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 then when the explosion comes, it's like after pretty much from the explosion on, the episode doesn't really let up. Um, you know, there's there's a moment which I guess would be another sort of iconic moment where they're in the. Uh, diner at Thelma's, and they play Somewhere in the Night together, and then they play Footloose, Mm -hmm. Um, which, it just seems so arbitrary. Like, the waitress is like, do you guys ever cut loose? And then they just go to Footloose, and it's like, Mm -hmm. okay. Sure.
1: (laughs) Why not? (laughs) I mean, Quantum Leap does that occasionally, and actually, I enjoy that, where they just find a reason to break out into song.
0: Absolutely, and when you've got somebody like Scott Bakula... Um, and, and obviously, Marietta De Prima does a, a good job of, you know, harmonizing with him. And somewhere in the night, it's clear that they're having a good time. And mm-hmm. yeah, I, why not? Why not use that? You've got this great resource. I mean, he's going to leap into Elvis at some point. I mean, come on.
1: Yeah. Oh, <laughs> spoilers!
0: No. Um,
1: right. But yeah, the the moment, like the the explosion, that really uh, sets things moving forward
0: in the yeah. episode, without a doubt. Uh, i think for me a favorite al moment is is one it, it's interesting cuz it's it's a great moment cuz it works on a couple of different levels it's comedic but at the same time it it it, it it's i don't know i i it's I'm at a loss but it's very informative it, it, it it's inciting for the action that's about to happen is what he what he just drops on a set i had a fencing teacher who yes. told me the best defense is distance <laughs> it's yes. like Al fences? Yeah.
1: Well, like you've you've brought up uh, several times in the last episodes. It's like the, the the writers like playing with that, with that trope, and like they almost like have fun with it. It's almost like fourth wall. It's all not fourth wall breaking, but very meta how they do yeah. it. And I love how they do it in this episode. It's just like I had a fencing, it just like throw it in the conversation. Right. I had a fencing teacher once. Like what?
0: Yeah. No commentary. It's, a, it's, a, it's just a great... It's a great little moment. And 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 speaking of Al also, the costume that he's wearing towards the end... Oh, man. It's I, I like this the, sort of like steampunk kind of weird thing that he was wearing. And he's got like this like... The, the, uh, the, the like
1: time... The, the time the, the clock, piece. The time with The years
0: yeah. and the... Yeah, it's like... It's very... I mean, I don't know how else to describe it, but call it steampunk. That's mm-hmm. what it made me think. It's really kind of a cool, cool outfit. Actually, I thought all of
1: his outfits in this episode, like, were like when I said when I was younger and I wanted all of Al's outfits, like yeah. all of the outfits in this episode. I think that they're, they're just the two. Like he's in they the and the long white overcoat um, in, in the first part of the episode, and the second part, he's in the in the steampunk outfit. I would I would have taken any one of those.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, Another another fun Al moment too uh, is at the very beginning when he first appears and he's like giving Sam a hard time. He's like, "You sleazy lounge lizard," Mm -hmm. and it's like, "Al, what Mm -hmm. right do you ever have to tell another human being that they've like done someone wrong or like you know or bed hopping or anything?" It's like, "Where do you get off, sir?"
1: I I am offended, sir. Yeah, I am offended. Uh, He does say, uh, "Play it again." sam mm-hmm. and that he always wanted to say that uh matt he he pointed out uh, an interesting tidbit in the book that actually al had said that previously but in one of the commercials yeah. promoting the fact that the show was moving back to wednesdays
0: I, when i read that in his book i was like that was fascinating i was like that's really cool i
1: always found those interesting i know I, have you ever like gone to because you can find a handful of them on YouTube. Have you ever YouTube, watched any yeah. of these commercials? I, you are, know,
0: honestly, I have. I need to. They
1: are so god-awful horrible. <laughs> and it was obvious, like, the, the reason why Quantum Leap never took off as far as a ratings hit is, like, you could tell the network could never figure out how to promote the show. And it is so obvious in those commercials because those shows... Because, I mean, to, to be clear, if you're if if you if you listening and you've never seen them, Like they're not just, like clips from the episode like these are like specially shot like almost like sketches that they did yeah of of they're in character Scott Bakula and Dean Stockwell but they're also fourth wall breaking in a way and it's ah oh, oh they're just yeah they're bad
0: yeah yeah i believe it um, <laughs> it's it's true though you know not to digress too much but i think that the network never really got the show, which is so surprising because it was successful enough. It was critically acclaimed enough. You would think that they would want to get behind it in some fashion, but I think for the network, they probably were focused too much on the fact that it was a science fiction show. Mm -hmm. So they never pushed it as anything else. When truthfully, it ended up, you know, being more often than not, a, you know, a, a dramedy that just happened to leap around through time and place. And and I think that if they would have embraced the anthology nature of the show a, instead of thinking of, of it as some sort of science fiction fantasy kind of show, that maybe that would have helped them to get behind it a little bit more. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I agree. Because I know that. Belisario's talked about that he had to basically distance himself from the sci fi aspects of the show. To even get it on the air initially because mm-hmm. people didn't really get it, yeah, um, but hey, you know it is it is what it is We're, we 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 got our five years out of it, so at least there's that there's that also
1: if you haven't seen, I haven't taken the, the the time to to watch them either, but on there are a series of videos on YouTube, and I'm not sure like what program it was originally part of, but there are actually there's a series of episodes interviewing donald bear Donald Belisario about mm-hmm. different episodes. Of Quantum oh, leap nice. and different moments on the show, and it That's seemed like they're, they're like fairly recent, like within the last like five years or so. So, oh, worth, okay. worth, worth going to check out,
0: yeah, absolutely. I know that I, I, I still uh, need to track down the sci fi um, behind the scenes Kiss with History, they, yeah, that they aired, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, but a- anyway, yeah, I, I think that um, this, this episode in particular is kind of a great, you know illustrator of the fact that the show was not necessarily any sort of hardcore sci-fi show at all. Um, For Sam, you know, some of my favorite moments for Sam, uh, obviously him singing Somewhere in the Night. Uh, Also, I have to admit, I really love the scene at the um, auto shop when they pull Mm -hmm. in. There's, like, this exchange between him and the mechanic about getting a tire, and it's just... I don't know. There's just something really fun about it, and Sam. you there know, There is I don't like know.
1: like when when the when the repairman kind of realizes he has him over, barely says eighty dollars, and Sam's like eighty dollars. Yeah, and I'm like, wait a minute. Like, is it because that we're closer to the present that Sam has more of an idea of when he's being ripped off?
0: Right.
1: <laughs> it was it was a fun right. yeah it was a fun yeah a nice little moment, and the repairman is, is like so mustached twirling
0: oh yeah yeah he's he's enjoying every second of this yeah because it's clear he doesn't buy sam's story about being on his way to a wedding and cutting his leg when he tried to change a tire for a second absolutely but he's like he's like all right i'll help this guy out you know but i'm gonna i'm gonna i mean he's gonna make it worth my while yeah i'm gonna gouge him yeah 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 pretty much (laughs) um i also thought that um it's, you know, there's the scene pretty much from the minute they get to Thelma's until the minute they leave. I just really like that, the way that everything plays out in there. I, you know, I again, love that the, sequence, the, yeah. Yeah, playing Footloose, you, you could say it's a little cheesy or whatever, fine, but there's just so much good stuff that happens in there, and the conversations that happen between Lorraine and Sam and the stuff that happens between Sam and Al, I really, I really enjoy. And Sam, you know, it's interesting because Sam is clearly taking everything that Al tells him up until the very end when he says he's going to trust his gut. Mm-hmm. Um, and, 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 I, and I feel like he's really utilizing the information uh, and Al is able to help him out in, in a really solid way. And so while the episode might be a little thinner than certain episodes, like, especially after an episode like Private Dancer, which I think was emotionally mm-hmm. uh, uh, and character-wise a little bit you know, stronger perhaps, even though the plot's a little thin here, it, it works really, really well. Um, and when the dominoes start to fall it, 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 It's very satisfying mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, and so speaking of the diner scene To jump ahead to like best guest star moments uh, The the diner owner played by Thelma, or Thelma, was played by Sherry Davis, it looks like uh, This episode of Quantum Leap like, was her last IMDB credit um, okay. And I just I really enjoyed her in this scene Like especially yeah. that one moment where You guys should get an act, and Sam's like Well we did have an act, but we broke up, and she's just like well, maybe you should get the band back together. It's just like the way she shrugs her shoulders with that. Yeah. That was just a really no, fun
0: moment. I agree. She even the way she looks out after them after they leave mm-hmm. uh the diner and everything. No, she does a really good job in this. It's interesting, she's from Independence, Missouri, which is where uh where I lived um for a while when I was a kid. In I was fact, just reading that
1: on MDB and I'm like,
0: why is that so familiar? Yeah. In fact, Independence, Missouri, uh is where I was living when Quantum Leap started airing.
1: Interesting.
0: Yeah, I remember the house that we were living in when I saw the first episode. Um, we lived there for probably the first season. I guess it would have just been the first season. Then we moved... Yeah, I, first two seasons maybe. And then uh, we moved to St. Louis and I was there for the... Um, the last three seasons for the duration. I remember watching the the, the the series finale when we lived in St. Louis. And of course,
1: St. So, Louis yeah. has the Scott Bakula connection.
0: That's right. Because that's where he's that's from. That's Right. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. Uh, so, speak, uh, like Sam moments in the diner. I wanted to call out uh, and Matt Dale. He points it out in his in his book, is that there's always like this awkward pause whenever like Al blinks out or whether there's an imaging chamber door effect. But when yeah. Al leaves in. This scene in the imaging chamber door goes up and down. Sam and Lorraine pausing for that. This pause, I don't know what, what it is, it looks particularly awkward.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It, well, it's, it's interesting because Al just pops in, like he's not using the imaging chamber door. Uh, uh, in this episode. Uh, and, and maybe he mm-hmm. uses it once or twice, but for the most part, he's just kind of popping in, and it is interesting because most of them are, are a little jarring. There's the one where Sam's sitting there drinking his coffee, yes, and Ann pops yeah. in, and he spills the coffee, and there's, there's that. And again, I think because he's mid-activity, that the transition is just a little bit of jarring. A little jarring, well. yeah.
1: yeah. So right now, uh, Betsy and I are burning through the show The Good Place, Oh, nice. Have you seen this?
0: I, I've not. Jessica has. she okay. really likes it. Um, I haven't had a chance
1: yet. Do you know, like the basic like gist of the show?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: These people have died. They're in this neighborhood They are in the good place versus the bad place, and they're living in this neighborhood, and they're kind of being guided by Ted Danson. But every neighborhood has a Janet, and a Janet is like this artificial intelligence that she can you know give you help or she can give you any information that you want, and the characters can just summon her by calling Janet. And she okay. pops in from out of nowhere. And when they're done with her, like, she pops back out. But a really interesting thing that they do with her is that they never do, like, what they always do with Elle. Like, they never, like, have the actors freeze and she just pops in. Whenever she pops in, they do it by switching to a different camera angle and throwing a sound effect. She pops uh, in that way, and then when she leaves, they switch to a different camera angle, sound effect of her leaving. And so you never get those weird jump cuts of the actors being frozen in place.
0: Right. right and it right. took me
1: 2 or 3 episodes to figure out like that's something that they always consistently do.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh and one it's it's interesting because you don't have those awkward jump cuts and it yeah. just looks really cool.
0: Yeah. No, that is that is that is cool. I I mean it's so hard for me to criticize too much because I just do... It is one of the things I love about the show so much is, you know, as Al uh, uh, being able to just pop in and... Um, no, 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 yeah. I mean, I think, yeah, not not to criticize it. I just think, it, yeah,
1: it's a different way to, to do it.
0: Yeah, yeah, I know for sure. Without a doubt. I, I, I agree. I agree. Um, so... I guess this takes us now to... Um, What's well, the, one other thing about, well, go ahead, sorry.
1: I was going to say, just talk about, like, other, like, guest star moments in the show. Uh, well, I mean, we've talked a lot. I mean, Lorraine is just great throughout this entire episode.
0: She really is. You know, the thing that's, I think, w- wonderful about her is she never, she never gets annoying. Mm-hmm. Um, and she also never gets, it's very easy to compare this episode to her charm. Um, because there's a lot of similarities, um, you know, with the two of them kind of being on the run and being chased by Hitman and all that sort of stuff. And in that episode, I feel like there are times when she gets, the relationship between the two of them gets, uh, you know, a little annoying. And then at other times when it's getting very, like, there's a lot of romantic tension involved. And this is interesting because with these two people, the relationship's already happened. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, and and so there's something there, and I kind of feel like they could they can almost get away with not having any of the romantic tension. That by the time they get together at the end of the episode, that when Sam's leaving and there's like the you know the kiss and everything, it just it feels a little bit more matter of fact, a little bit more natural than trying to have to build up this sort of like will they won't they romantic tension and you know going through all that. So I appreciated that. It, I, I think it, the the character uh, comes off better because of that. Sure. And I think, again, the focus is mainly on the fact that they're on the run. Yeah. Um, as opposed to it being the focus on the two of them and this relationship. Mm-hmm. Although there is that really sweet scene when they're in the car talking about going to Hawaii mm-hmm. and what they would do if they got, you know, got to Hawaii and she'd wear a grass skirt and all this sort of stuff. Yeah. Um, I think, uh, uh the, the final scene with Carl, you know, he provides the, the proper menace, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, to uh uh wrap things up and 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 then Lorraine drops the engine on. <laughs> yep. Which is pretty great. So Yeah. And it's you know to talk about Sam and
1: Lorraine's relationship like we've talked about like there are episodes where Sam gets emotionally invested with his woman counterpart like in Private Dancer. Yeah. Where like in this one he he's not emotionally invect- invested. It's just like very matter of fact. It's like, you know, if if it's if we should get them together, let's get them together. If we should keep right. them apart, let's keep them apart. Um, it's like basically he just wants to do the right thing. And he's not like actually like personally getting attracted.
0: Right, yeah, he's the not person. Like falling in love with her. I think that you know, he has he has a couple of really great moments when he when he talks about how he'd love to have to have a place to call home for a while. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting because it doesn't what I got from the scene is not that he wants to go back home. But that he would love to just maybe like it's almost as though Sam has decided I don't know if I'm ever going to get home so it would just be nice to stay somewhere for a little while sure and and that's really interesting to me because it says it's not about getting home so much as it is just being able to maybe take a break mm-hmm. you know from all the do gooding for you know, sure and, and just stay somewhere for a while and along that line it's.
1: Uh... It's interesting to note that he is in a time that is closest to his timeline, to his own present time, than what he usually is. So he right. would probably be much more comfortable, say, in the mid eighties, than you know, definitely not in the seventies, because he, yeah. <laughs> he, you know, he
0: hates disco. Yeah, he hates uh, <laughs> disco,
1: and yeah, and in and the sixties and, and all that stuff. So, uh, so yeah, if he was going to settle down anywhere, probably somewhere closer to this timeline. He's also in New Mexico, That's so right. so a place that he is also very very familiar with. Indeed. So, yeah. so yeah, there is something to be said for that. Uh, and then I guess like maybe, uh, you know, talk about like overall plot of the episode that we haven't, you know, picked up from like talking about the characters. Um, it, it's interesting that a lot of the climatic action sequences are the, like the, the most involved action sequence of the, of the car chase on the road and the, they're in and out of the fog and the semis. And then the, uh, the goon, the henchman, who we haven't talked about yet, the 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 guy, the actual guy who's chasing, yeah, uh, Sam and Lorraine throughout the entire episode. Uh, Nicky, is that his name? I think. Uh,
0: yeah. Um, uh, actually, you know what? He he doesn't he doesn't even have have a name. They just call him the killer. Um, oh really? Okay. He, yeah. Uh, he is played by George Marshall Ruge, who is actually a stuntman. Uh, an award-winning stuntman, for that matter. Uh, but he's also done some acting work as well. Uh, I get the I get the sense that most of his acting work was, uh, you know, he happened to be there, mm-hmm. and, and they're like, yeah, hey, let's, let's let's he yeah. let's throw him in there. He looks menacing enough, sure. You know? yeah. But he's done yeah stunts and, and stunt coordinating and, and that sort of stuff for, for years and years and years and years. Um, you know, going back uh, thirty-seven years. Got it. it like.
1: So it's funny. I just realized I'm pulling the
0: name Nikki from her charm. Well, isn't, actually, it's funny that you mention that because isn't, um, it, it's Carl's real name. Oh, is, Nick- is that it? Okay. Yeah. Because yeah, he's the, he's the actual, uh, the guy that's been, um,
1: uh, using Lorraine to, yes. Yeah. Using you, Lorraine. Yeah. Like this has all been a romance to, to track down. To show Yeah. yeah. It, so to throughout to the episode, down, like we have all these conversations that are going on between
0: because yeah. we should mention, obviously, that Joey witnessed a mob hit mm-hmm. and that's why they're after him. Um so it's it's going to be uh a long time coming as far as Carl slash Nikki is concerned, mm-hmm. um, to, to get uh Joey. Um because Joey has been on the run for three years at this point. Mm-hmm. Uh and uh the, the, the killer obviously comes very close to succeeding uh, but the car chase, like you mentioned, uh, which is which is done very well, uh, uh, ends up being the killer's demise. Yes.
1: Well, the car chase is more involved than what most episodes
0: yeah. are. And
1: it's interesting because this is all lifted out of a 1985 movie, I believe, uh, written and directed by Donald Belisario called Last Rights. Yeah, 1988 actually Oh, 1988, okay And so I think most of that sequence is lifted from that movie
0: Yes, you are absolutely right Which, All of the location footage of the car chase was lifted from last rites so. Yeah,
1: because I was going to say uh, I mean they did have the car explosion at the beginning of the episode But the uh, the one towards the end of the
0: episode like It looks a little more involved than what you get in most TV episodes for sure, yeah, and I think that it's interesting because this episode has a lot of location shooting, obviously, uh, uh, but different locations. You know, it's not it's not like a, a bottle episode, if you will, with one set or, or something like which the next episode basically is. Mm-hmm. Um, but this, this episode, you know, we go to a lot of different locations. Um, there's a lot of stuff on the road, if you will. Um, there's the stuff in the airplane hangar. I mean, there's a lot going on um, for an episode that, again, is not the heaviest plot or character episode of the season by far. (laughs) Oh, for sure.
1: And what I, especially, I really appreciated the location shooting, like the, like the one scene where they're at the tire repair shop and Al is urging Sam to break up with Lorraine to keep her safe. Yes. And then when she drives off, like just the shot of, of Sam and Al standing there watching the killer drive by going after the car and just appreciate it like, it's just a lot of, like, natural outdoor light.
0: Yeah. And you, well, don't, also, and you don't get
1: that in a lot of episodes.
0: It's also a great piece of storytelling, too, because the viewer knows before the characters do, really, what's happening, mm-hmm. which is great. Uh, and, and I think, you know, we sometimes we've talked about how Sam, it feels like the episode is happening to him as opposed to him happening to the episode. Um, this this is not that, but it is interesting to note that so much of the action that Sam takes throughout the course of this episode is at the urging of Al. Mm-hmm. You know, he he basically does what Al tells him to do for the majority of this episode. Mm-hmm. Now, clearly, like we've talked about, he and Lorraine have some nice moments together. Uh, the end of the episode, Sam does not listen to Al, uh, very purposefully, but it's interesting that for the, the course of most of this episode, he is, he's taking Al's advice and kind of just following along. Um, and it's kind of an interesting twist because we get so many episodes where Al is either feeding him information that might not be correct or he doesn't know he's got to find out. He's got to, you know, mm-hmm. so it's interesting that in this, in this case, they're trying to be a step ahead, but they're not necessarily always successful with that. Mm-hmm. So,
1: yeah. yeah. So, you know, we talked about, uh, it, this may be an interesting time to like talk about one of our segments of just like the, the way that any like weird time travel twists, uh, in this episode, uh, San Dimas time is what I was what I'm calling this section Indeed. after, uh, after the, uh, the Bill and Ted's excellent adventure thing. Go
0: ahead. Well, it's kind of a perfect episode to introduce the segment, though, because there are numerous instances where stuff does happen right from the very beginning of the episode. Mm -hmm. Because we learn that, you know, Joey never lets anybody drive his car, but he gives the bartender his keys. Sam just gives him his keys so that he can take Janelle home, and the car explodes, killing the bartender and Janelle. Yeah. And in the original history, it killed Joey. Yeah. So that's... So basically basically people have died yeah people have died they've been wiped out of existence
1: yeah yeah uh huh. this, this this happens on occasion and and uh yeah this is, yeah two people who originally lived yeah they're gone right and very little concern is shown for that, yeah. for that
0: you're right you're right it's very it is it is very much just sort of like a well, at least it wasn't Sam. You know, yeah. I mean, there's a lot I mean, going there's on a, But yeah, b-
1: b- we've seen similar situations in other episodes where Sam gets very angry over something like this. Like, yeah. how did Ziggy miss this? And it's just kind of glossed over this time.
0: Right. <laughs> you're, yeah. It, and and then there are... Because, you know, it's one of those things. It's It's like those stupid, terrible Final Destination movies where it's like, you can only avoid it for so long, but death is going to kind of keep coming for you. Mm -hmm. And that's sort of what this episode happens, is that he he avoids the car explosion, then they're going to get killed at mile marker 257, they avoid that, then they're going to get killed at the diner, they avoid that. So there's all of these little ripple effects, because they miss that one thing at the beginning with the explosion. And it's also different for Quantum Leap, because normally, you know, we're told early on, Al says so-and-so is going to die like 24 hours from now or 48 Mm -hmm. hours from now. Uh, In this instance, we don't get told that until it happens, basically. Mm -hmm. And then it's... I don't know, it just sets off this chain of events that would have never happened to begin with. And like you said, two people get wiped out of existence that would have otherwise lived.
1: Yeah. And this is like whereas like the the, the timeline of someone dying keeps moving, again, it is very much in line with her charm. Yes. Because it's the same. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's the same plot, basically. But yeah, that's that, that's the, the, the <laughs> main issue that I have with this episode is that yeah, two people are killed that didn't die yeah. originally. And uh, the thing, just you know, it was just Janelle and the bartender. Right. Hey. And I mean, we could also talk, uh, uh, you know, just as far as like you know, you know, themes and different things of the episode. Did you get the idea when you were watching it that Janelle is obviously drunk? Yes. Did you get the idea that the bartender was taking her home to take advantage of that?
0: Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I wasn't reading it. No, he seemed very excited over the fact that he could take her home. Yeah. But he needed to have Sam's car in order to do it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh no. That's yeah, that's what was happening.
1: That was that was very much a manny moment. From yeah. Catch a Falling Star. Yes. Yeah.
0: yeah. That was because
1: they didn't tell it, but I I, I I can I can extrapolate that maybe like the bartender has been trying to get with Janelle for a while.
0: Well, and do you get the sense that there's a possibility that Janelle has gone home with Joey on a couple of occasions?
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, 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 yeah. yeah. Uh, I I hadn't really thought about it, but I'm sure, like, yeah, there were a few times. I'm guessing maybe they weren't, like,
0: uh, Joey's prouder moments. Sure. (laughs) But just the way she requests the song, Mm -hmm. you know, it feels very much like... Not that, not that she thought that was her song or anything like that, mm-hmm. but that, that she had such an affinity for it. And, you know, I mean, the way that she requests it, it, just feels like that's coming from... That's not coming from a fan, you know? That's not coming from the your your local, you know, bar fly. That's coming from someone that gets something more out of it, I guess. I don't know. Sure.
1: I, and I do appreciate, like, uh, in that first scene when Sam is playing and just the effect that the song has on Janelle. Yeah. And at the end of the song, she's like, I need another drink or something like that. I did appreciate that. Yeah. Moment.
0: Yeah. 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 It, it, you know, it, I think it's also worth noting that, um, when we're introduced to Lorraine, uh, she kind of immediately sets off the, um, uh, fact that she's a klutz, you know, um. that she's always breaking things, spilling things. She thinks she's a jinx, bad luck three of our other boyfriends have all died. Yes, uh, we did have Alex. that
1: sequence where, yeah, Al is urging Sam to break up, and he's like, well, what about him, Well, what about yes. Michael? I think it was uh, an alligator going over the edge, uh, trying to catch a foul ball at a baseball game. Uh,
0: yeah. Uh, and uh, and then there's, there's also... Uh, uh, this isn't that one. This is actually something that happened to Joey at one point, but they, they're talking about all the vacations that got ruined. Mm-hmm. His, his his luggage ended up in Iran his um he broke his leg skiing you know all these things that happened because of her or whatever uh of course Sam plays it off well mm-hmm. um but you know i it's interesting because the episode doesn't it doesn't really have a theme no i mean, I mean it's like mean?
1: I, I was just thinking, I, I was just thinking about that cuz we you know we talked about like wanting to talk more about like themes and also like uh, like going off on tangents talk about like like historical context like an episode mm-hmm. like has a context and I feel like like to me the only thing that really jumped out about the thing is like one it doesn't really have a, a, a theme or like a broader thing to it it's just you know it's kind of like a little bit of a you know action it's a series thriller, of mystery. yeah, yeah. Uh, and as far as historical context like watching like watching it last night and, and, and watching it like take place like in the uh, in, in, in the in the mid 80s as it is is that it reminded me so much of the, of the TV shows and the TV movies of the week that they used to always air on Sunday nights.
0: Yeah.
1: And just, like, the, like the, the way the action sequences were shot, the way the, the music was done, like, it very much reminded me of just, like, of that era of TV in general. And, right. and as it's far a, as, like, those, like, you know, action shows went on TV or the movies of the week... Hmm. Uh, so I, I, I got a little nostalgic the, in that regard, but not much more to it beyond that.
0: Yeah, because it definitely felt like the type of script that b- didn't have to be specific to Quantum Leap.
1: No. No, and you you, know. you're talking about like one one segment they were going to introduce that is pointless in this episode because there is no uh, there, there's no introduction of any mythology in this episode. No. We don't
0: learn anything more about Sam. Uh, we do get you know we do get one thing uh, I, I guess just for the sake of the segment that's worth noting, is that uh, Al mentions um, Joey Fen- in the waiting room. Okay. And, oh, and, mm-hmm. you know, and, and that's not something that we always get. Like, we, you know, Sam basically asks one because it, early on in the episode, Al is having a hard time getting um, any information about uh, Chuck, because they think that's who he is. They don't know that he's actually Joey DiNardo yet. And they can't get information on him. So Sam asks, what's he saying in the waiting room? Mm-hmm. And, and Al says, you know, that he's Chuck Danner, the greatest lounge lizard that ever lived or whatever. So it's like, it's, it's not a huge piece of thing, you know, mm-hmm. of information mythology. But it is something that we don't always get. True. Uh, there's not always a scene where, you know, it's like, what's so-and-so saying in the waiting room? You know, we don't even hear about the waiting room every episode. So... Um, I guess that's that's a stretch but that's that's that is about tre- yeah a but that's, so that's, so that's all we yeah, yeah we don't really learn episode. anything
1: new about the project or real, uh, other than the fact that Al used to fence at some point right we don't we don't really learn anything more about the uh, about the characters we don't even get like usually like Al has its own his own subplot of something going on back in the future uh, yeah. and there's you know like you know an ex-wife wanting more alimony or, or something or whatever, but there's none of that in this episode. He just, like, like I said, he just basically like shows up to tell Sam like what the next what the next thing is.
0: Yeah.
1: So this is yeah. uh, we're going to put listener mail at the end, but it's a good point to put it here. Uh, Diana, who we've been conversing back and forth with on Facebook, I loved her review of this episode. She's like, it's just 45 minutes waiting for a song. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that is that is pretty much true. It's just the, I, the the episode is just all
0: all around that. So okay, so let's go ahead and do the leap out real quick, sure. uh, and then we can get to our final thoughts. But the leap out, um, uh, uh, um, Chuck is is now dead. Or not, Chuck? Excuse me, um, Carl. Uh, Carl. Nicky, Carl yeah. is dead, um, and the the you know they're hauling his body away in the ambulance. Uh Sam is outside, Lorraine comes to meet him, um, they're getting ready to kiss. She actually bumps into his injured leg. Uh he's like, No, 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 it's okay, don't worry about it. They kiss, and as they kiss, Sam leaps out. Mm-hmm. And he is standing over a cake with candles in it, with a somewhat scantily clad woman next to him. Mm-hmm. Uh and she's got a southern accent. They blow out the candles. There's a bevy of scantily clad women that are now coming to him, mm-hmm. giving him kisses, and uh, the first woman reaches down and grabs him yep. intimately. And
1: and we get a nice tenor or alto. Oh boy. Yeah, soprano. Is yeah. that the high? Yeah. Yeah, yeah.
0: soprano. Yeah, yeah. Soprano. Oh boy. Um, and of course, our next episode will be Southern Comforts. Mm-hmm. Uh, without saying too much, Sam is... In a brothel. Yes. And uh things things are gonna be interesting next week, I think. <laughs>
1: that's that's gonna be an interesting episode to unpack. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yes it is. Yes yeah. it
1: is. Uh this is what uh you know, I, I think between this episode and also Seven Comforts and the next string of episodes that we're gonna get into, uh and this is something that I've been conversing with uh with Diana on the Facebook page, is that we do get to a string of episodes where I do think the show leans a little bit too heavy, um, on, on, on the woman in peril, it's like it's always like the woman having violence done against her. Sometimes sexual violence sent against her. Even Private Dancer was a little bit uh, along that lines of of uh, the the main character in that episode going into a life of prostitution, and then this episode, yeah. and then yeah, we kind of get into a stretch where we kind we kind of lean a lot on that.
0: Yeah, yeah, I, you know, I think. Unfortunately, it's, you know, a sign of the times, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it, late 80s, early 90s, y- y- you know, I mean, hell, far before then, of course, but a lot of television was going to be reliant on that as a device, especially to make our male heroes look good. And sure.
1: You know, there's, uh, there's actually, I can't remember if we talked about this maybe an episode or two ago, like there is now a term for this now called oh, fridging. Really? Yeah. Oh, oh uh, f- yeah, yeah, yeah. Fridging specifically when a woman is killed in a piece of fiction to to further the man's yeah, story.
0: Yeah, it's also I know it gets used a lot with gay characters that there's a lot of gay characters that that happens to where just for whatever reason the gay character just gets killed. You know, they, mm-hmm. and, and and so that's the, I know that the term has been used a lot with them. It's actually, if I'm not mistaken, it actually stems from the Green Lantern comic books because uh, in in Kyle uh, Kyle Rayner, the Green Lantern, after Hal Jordan, he has all these horrible things happen to him mm-hmm. um, uh, throughout the sort of first few years that he was written, and at one point he opens his refrigerator to find his dead girlfriend inside of it. Ah. I didn't and so that's that's basically where the the term comes from which is fascinating to me because as a comic book nerd you know and and it's not it's not like this is a great run of comics for a lot of people like most people hated when Hal Jordan was no longer the green lantern and 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 didn't really read the or comics or sort of stuff so it's kind of amazing to me that this this little piece has has now become part of popular culture That's
1: interesting cuz it's interesting to know cuz I first heard about this term uh it was at like a like a like a press conference or a panel or whatever for the release of Deadpool two, yeah. and someone in the audience called the movie out because without giving too many spoilers away, if you haven't seen it, you do want to see it. Like the entire plot of the movie like hinges on that. Uh, yeah. And Ryan Reynolds, who was sitting on the panel, who played Clean, Green Lantern, uh, right, right. yeah, in the film movie version. Um you know, he, you know he, he just flat out admitted, like, there's like, I, yeah, this is the first I have ever heard of this term, I will keep that in mind.
0: Yeah. Duly noted. Yeah. And if I'm not mistaken, the Green Lantern comic book probably came out in, like, late 90s, mm-hmm. so it's been, it's been about 20 years or so since that happened, so it's been in the lexicon for about that long, I guess. Um, but it's definitely become more popular recently. Um... Yeah, it'll be interesting to talk about a lot of that stuff. I feel like, again, you know, we talk about context all the time. This episode, we don't get to do that a lot with because there's really not much to to contextualize, quite frankly. I mean, we talked a little bit about Janelle, but, it, you know, she's in the episode for five minutes. And, you know, how how in-depth do we want to go about the bartender being kind of a dirtbag and want to take her home even though she's drunk? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like it's, it's like there's not a lot to contextualize within this episode. Um But, you know, for my final thoughts, i got to say that it's not a bad episode at all. You know, it's not... It's a fine episode. Um, There are... Not only are there worse episodes, but there are even... There are some good episodes that I feel like are not necessarily as fun as this episode. Sure, yeah. You know, so I'm not trying to say skip this one or whatever, um, but it's not... It's not remarkable it's not, in any way. it's not essential. Yeah. 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 Exactly. I mean
1: yeah, yeah, it, it, it's a nice fun episode. It it has the song that that comes with it and we will always we will always have that. Um
0: yes. <laughs> And frankly, you know, Diana's right. The the, the episode, I, I mean, the most remarkable thing about the episode is the song.
1: Sure. I mean, it's the fact that, I mean, you know, with all the crap that I gave it at the beginning of the episode, it, it, it is, a, it, yeah, it, it's a pretty decent song. And the fact that it was specifically written for this episode, for this hour of television, you have an actor and performer who was able to, you know, perform it themselves. And I feel like any time we get a moment of just like Scott Bakula doing an extended bit of singing, on the show uh it's really cool because i i don't know of a lot of tv shows that really get to do that and really utilize it and it, it, it doesn't come across as as gimmicky or cheap
0: right uh well you know when you think about the fact that so many television shows um you know over the past like god i guess almost 20 years really have have had musical episodes, you know. Mm-hmm. Obviously, Buffy the Vampire Slayer had the very famous one. Grey's Anatomy has had it. I mean, you've got a, you've got television shows like, um, is it Crazy Ex Girlfriend? Is that the one that's basically? It's a musical, before? yeah, yeah. So I mean, you've got this, the, you know, this sort of thing. Uh, Jane the Virgin has a lot of musical stuff like that in, in it as well. And and I think I'm not trying to say Quantum Leap's an innovator. There were television shows that did that before Quantum Leap. But it's interesting to note that Quantum Leap always did find ways to do it in a way that felt um you know Diegetic, like the, the music was a part of the episode as opposed to being something that they kind of just added on for whatever reason. For sure, or decided we're setting we're set out to make a musical episode. You know, it's like he's he, in this episode. He's singing because he's a piano man. You know, in 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 an episode that we're getting in two episodes where we get our namesake from uh, Glitter Rock. You know, he's singing because he's a rock and roll musician. In the Elvis episode, he's Elvis. He has to sing. You know, mm-hmm. so uh, anytime he's singing, you know, even Imagine in Leap Home, there's there's a reason behind it, um, and and not that. I mean there's obviously they make reasons up for like the Buffy episode or the Grey's Anatomy episode or you know Jane the Virgin stuff like that but it's but it's not it's not necessarily done with an eye towards any sort of realism, if you will. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. so it's 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 kind of nice because here's this you know, well trained musical theater actor um who who's so incredibly talented in so many ways and gets the opportunity to do something that he does very well in a way that's believable within the context of the episode
1: yeah. that he's doing. And I think maybe it's like especially like using like this episode and when he sings Imagine in the Leap Home as examples, like he's not like knocking it out of the park. You know what sure. I mean? It's just like very – it's just like this very natural like, if, hey, we're just like sitting around. you know, We will pull out the car- guitar and we start singing. like, you know, this is what it sounds like. It doesn't like suddenly turn into a musical number, which I think the That's Elvis right. episode, especially in the last sequence, is guilty of. Yeah. That episode's <laughs> guilty of a lot of things. Uh, but I will say like even this episode does it because like when they – because when they do Footloose – in the diner. We do have one of those moments where people in the diner start, you know, like one guy starts playing the spoons.
0: Oh, God. Yeah, the guy who's playing the spoons. Yeah. Oh, my God.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, oh it's Lord. a little bit. Uh, also, this episode came to mind, just like one, just like the, like the plot of the episode and, and the diner and the fact that a lot of the footage from the final sequence was, was lifted from another movie. Have you ever seen the, the movie Duel? I have not actually. Um, do, do you know about it? I do. Okay, yeah. it's a uh, early nineteen seventies made for TV movie. It was Steven Spielberg before he was Steven Spielberg. Uh, it's Dennis Weaver uh, driving across the desert. He he cuts off her. He inadvertently pisses off a semi truck driver, and the rest of the movie is just him being chased down on the road by the semi truck driver. Uh, and there is one sequence in a diner where there's a bunch of truck drivers and he like confronts each one individually, like trying to figure out who the person is. Cause they never show you who the real, who the person is. They never show you the driver. Yeah. And it's just the entire movie is just straight action sequence. Him getting chased by this semi truck because he pissed him off. Yeah. Uh, if you, if you get a chance, go check it out. And I would say, uh, uh, a lot of stock footage from that movie was lifted for an episode of The Incredible Hulk.
0: I did know that. Yeah, and that's one of the reasons why I'm familiar with it. Actually, so yeah, yeah. Dennis, look, I just have to ask you: are, are we going? To, are, are we going to have to turn into an Incredible Hulk podcast when, when Quantum Leap is done?
1: I don't know. We may have to. <laughs> I don't, that's one of those shows that. I, oh, I love it for nostalgia reasons, but every time I catch, I, I try to watch an old episode.
0: Yeah,
1: Uh, I I do think the pilot episode is really great. I I, I, I think the first couple, like because it started off as like made-for-TV movies, and then it shifted into a regular series. I think those first two TV movies are really good. When it shifted into like a weekly television show,
0: uh, I don't know if they hold up. It became very hit or miss, and quite frankly, there are more misses than there are hits. But I, I still think that there are some episodes in the, the show proper that are very, very good. Even some of the formula episodes, um, that, that, that work very, very well. Um, but there are more misses than there are hits. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, like, yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I remember like, like, like where there's another Hulk, there's the episode where he gets stuck in between Banner and Hulk. And it's like, yeah. yeah. Uh, but Jack McGee is a fun character on that show.
0: It's, you know, it's funny you mention that because I think one of my favorite episodes, and I think it might actually be a two-parter as well, is the uh, um, episode where the two of them get um, trapped together. Stranded together, yeah. Like, yeah, stranded on like a mountain or whatever. Uh, uh, that's that's actually a very good one. Yeah.
1: Um, well, that's also a, a key episode because that's when he figures out that the Hulk is a normal man who turns into the Hulk. Right. Whereas before, he just thinks that it, it, it's just a monster that's always a monster. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Maybe we'll have to get there. Oh, Jack McGee. I know, right? Well, but there's anyway. Something. anyway so, uh, but back to, back to Quad of Leap. Uh, it's also worth noting that um, Seven Comforts, uh, he leaps into 1961. So we're going from 85 to 1961. And we're also going from New Mexico to um, oh, New Orleans or in the south. New Orleans, I think. I had it here a second ago. because yes, yeah, I watched yeah, that letters.
1: episode a couple uh, a couple weeks ago, and that that struck out of me just because, of, like, the Scott Bakula connection to NCIS. Oh, right, right. Yeah, yeah. that's a good
0: point. Good point. But, yeah, oh, yeah. Um, we should
1: note if there are any Scott Bakula fans. Uh, his character show, uh, his character on that show is his life is hanging in the balance right now. Oh really? Yeah he got he got shot up at the at oh, the end right, of the right. last episode last season. So. It's kind of like a who shot, well it's not a who shot JR, like you know who shot, who shot him, but it's kind of like, is he going to survive or isn't he going to survive thing at the beginning of the next season. I have a feeling he's going (laughs) to (laughs) survive. I haven't I Um, I haven't heard any other news about Scott pop popping up on anything else, so.
0: You know what we need, you know what we need as far as I'm concerned, like, like, I want to see him get shot up like this and have lasting consequences, you know? Like, why not?
1: That would be interesting. I'm just saying. Yeah,
0: Ironsides was a good show. There's nothing wrong with have, uh, having a differently abled star of your television program. Yeah, well, there the, the, there that. is
1: already someone in a wheelchair on that show. Oh, never mind. Uh, what's oh. <laughs> I, What's funny is like uh, I I can't remember this actor's name, but he was in the movie Galaxy Quest. Uh, he he was the helmsman.
0: Oh, okay. Um,
1: and the thing is, uh, at, at some point in time after Galaxy Quest, I think he was in a car accident and and he Ooh. and he was in a wheelchair after that because i first saw him in a wheelchair on the tv show ed okay. which i really enjoyed and i thought oh they did they just made an interesting character choice they said just put this i mean they never were like really they didn't make it a storyline like they never like commented on the fact that this character was in a wheelchair he was just always in a wheelchair and i thought oh that's interesting uh, and then actually i was like reading up on it i was like oh actually no like that actor is now permanently in a wheelchair um Okay. so yeah and now he's on uh, he's on NCIS that actor I can't remember his his name right now but uh, uh, but yeah
0: yeah I wouldn't know because I I just I haven't watched it I feel bad because there's a part of me every once in a while that's like you know if it was on Netflix if it was like if it was on Amazon Prime if it was on one of the streaming services I would probably throw it on I, I would probably throw it on just 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 to watch sure I th- uh, I think it may be on Netflix now. I don't know. Okay. It's, it, it's always weird to me with the CBS shows because now that there's CBS All Access. Oh, that's right. They, uh, you know, yeah. They're very starting to close close ranks a little bit. Yeah. If Star Trek disappears from any of the other streaming services, I'm just going to be like, all right. That's a, uh, yeah. I'm just going to go buy the DVDs. I just do that. That's how they'll get my money because I'm not going to buy CBS All Access.
1: Oh, so uh, Discovery just came on Blu-ray. Yeah, I just discovered. That's right. So uh, maybe I'll, I'll I'll splurge and I'll go. I'll go finally check that out.
0: Uh, yeah, I don't, know. <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, anyway, uh, any other thoughts about this episode? No, no, none really. Um, I'm. Do we do we have any listener mail? I know that that was another segment you said that you wanted to do. do we uh, well, I think we that guy jumped ahead. We talked
1: about uh, Diana's comments on the on the episode. So,
0: fantastic. So yeah, we've
1: been yeah we've had a, like really good back and forth because. Uh, uh, because her and her uh, fiance have been uh, barely through the series, I think they're like almost close. Yeah. To, I think they're close to the end of season four
0: now. Yeah, uh, congratulations to them. By the way, we didn't. I don't know if we actually said it on the podcast. Oh yeah, congratulations. We, I know we Thank you for sharing. sharing Message her, but, the, but yeah, yeah, thanks for sharing that news with us. Now, so that's fantastic. Um, yeah, uh, I know we've had a great conversation with her, and uh, she's had some really great comments, and has has you know it's interesting because as we've been doing the rewatch and everything and they've been watching uh it's been great to see it through their eyes Mm -hmm. you know um so uh and that goes for a lot of other folks that are out there obviously that have been um tweeting at us or, or, or commenting on facebook and stuff so um yeah i guess i guess the the experiment is over
1: yeah so on that note uh chime in let us know what you thought yeah. About this about this new tweak of a of an episode, we're coming in a little bit shorter than what we usually do. Yeah,
0: ten or fifteen minutes. We save ten or fifteen minutes. Yeah, on a thin for episode sure. That we didn't have a lot to talk about.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I'm sure there's going to be something like we're going to dive. But I feel like Southern Comforts maybe one where yeah, there's going to be a lot to yeah,
0: we're gonna we'll see what happens. The Southern the, Comforts is going to be interesting. There's going
1: to be a lot to unpack in that episode. Uh,
0: yeah. Well,
1: Sam, do you have anything else for this one?
0: Um. I was going to start to sing somewhere in the night, but I lost my voice last weekend, so I'm just not. I'm not sure. Okay, do it. Just we'll, we'll
1: come back. Maybe we'll come around and we'll do a,
0: a face-wide Wheel for yeah, <laughs> for there you Rock. Go. There you go. I'm just a traveler. <laughs> oh god. <laughs> oh man, no, no, nothing. You know, I, 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 am. I'm loving it. I'm glad to be back, and uh, I'm looking forward to next week. Looking forward so. to next week.
1: Awesome. Well, thank you again, uh, listeners, for joining us. And uh, we, you know we always say it, but if you're enjoying the show, like make sure you're subscribing on, on Apple Podcasts or whatever platform you listen to. Uh, give us a rating if you're so inclined, and show the love. Absolutely. Let's leap out right. of here. See you all next week. Okay. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. If you enjoyed what you've heard or have any questions or comments, don't be shy. Reach out to us online at FWWQuantumLeapPod.com or Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook at Fates Wide Wheel. And remember to hit the subscribe button and leave us a review on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or wherever you may be listening. Until next time.